Welcome back to the Castro Files, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yes. Appreciate it. How are you doing, honey? I'm great. How about you? Awesome. I'm excited to hear your story. I know. Your stories today. Yeah, absolutely. First things, go out, like, subscribe to the podcast if you don't mind. We'd appreciate it out on on YouTube, of course. And then you can find all the audio out under the bars open with Beth and Greg. That's where I post all the audio versions of this. So you can find those everywhere you can find them. Yeah. Anywhere you can find an, an audio podcast, yeah. right? Also, check out Instagram. That's why I drop all the photos from all of our shows. Yes. We put them out there and we relate them So if them you're directly. listening and not watching YouTube, you can go and see what pictures we're yeah. referencing on the Instagram Perfect page. Perfect on that. So yeah. last things last, go out, check us out on Minor League Studios for all of the swag. We've got some fun shirts out there. Some great, got great a hat, stuff. Some, some stuff out there. Some tumblers and some cool yeah. stuff. So, all right. With that, let's jump in. To your Let's stories. do it. So I have two UFO stories today. Nice. Um, That's funny because we we talked about this separately. Yes. We didn't talk about our stories. No. And I've got another one later. All on. right. Well, I have right. two. Um, they're both a little bit older. Uh, the first one is called "The Disappearance of Private Irwin," and this is from UFOCasebook.com. And it's. Uh, let me just go ahead and start reading it and Sounds then we can talk about it. So one of the strangest, most baffling cases in the UFO folklore is the story of one private first class Jerry Irwin. On March 2nd, 1959, he awoke in a Cedar hospital and was completely unaware of how he got there. Irwin had been, Irwin had been unconscious for 23 hours and during that time was mumbling something about jacket on the bush. Jacket on the bush. As he regained consciousness, the first thing he said was, were there any survivors? The strange tale of Jerry Irwin came to my attention from the notes of James Lozano, who is the esteemed director of the APRO group. The facts will leave one puzzled, and if there's any type of investigation by the armed forces, those details remain hidden to this day. Irwin's story begins on February 28, 1959. He was driving home from Napa, Idaho, back to Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, where he was a Nike missile technician. Returning from a leave of absence, he reached Cedar Springs, Utah, and turned southeast on Route 14 when he saw an unusual light. Did you say a Nike or yes. a nuke? Nike, N-I-K-E. Oh. I don't know. I, don't know. I thought that was weird, too, but yeah. it just said maybe they meant nuke and they typed <laughs> Nike. Yeah. N-U-K-E, N-I-K-E. Yeah. Okay. I guess Either you one, get it's them. a missile. So yeah, it's a missile. Um, so he turned on Route 14 when he saw an unusual sight. The landscape was brilliantly lit as he observed a glowing object which crossed the sky from right to left in front of him. Startled, he left his car to get a better view and watched the strange craft continue until it was blocked from sight by a ridge. His first thoughts were that a large airplane was making a forced landing. Wanting to render aid if possible, Irwin quickly wrote a note left it on his car and headed into the direction of the support uh, in the direction to support the crash. The note said, have gone to investigate possible plane crash. Please call law enforcement officers. He also used shoe polish. They say to put stop on his window. So somebody would stop and take a look in. Um, So he would call attention for them to find the note. Um, He attached the note to the steering wheel. And like I said, use shoe polish to write stop on the side of his car. About 30 minutes later, a fish and game inspector stopped at the side of Irwin's note. He immediately took the note to the Cedar Springs Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Otto Fief quickly organized a search party and headed into the site. Approximately one hour later, Irwin was found unconscious in the area with no sign of a plane crash. Upon arriving at the hospital, he was examined by Dr. Broadbent, who found that although 
Irvin's temperature and respiration were normal, he could not be awakened. Broadbent initial diagnosis was hysteria. When the frightened Irwin did come to, he, he felt fine, but was still puzzled by the strange optic he had seen. He also was at a loss as to where his jacket was, it not being on him when, they found, when found by searchers. Irwin was flown back to Fort Bliss and put under observation at William Beaumont Hospital for four days. He returned to duty afterwards, though his security clearance was withdrawn. A couple of days later, while walking at the base, he fainted. He did recover immediately, however. On March 15th, he fainted again on an El Paso street and was taken to Southwest General Hospital. His condition at this time was very similar to, the state, to, to his state at Cedar City. Irwin awoke at 2 a.m. on Monday and asked again, were there any survivors? He thought it was February 28th again and was shocked to be told that some two weeks later had passed. He was again taken to William Beaumont Hospital and placed under observation in the psychiatric ward. After a month's stay, he was released and deemed normal by Captain Valentine. The very next day, seemingly without provocation, the private left the fort without leave, caught a bus in El Paso, and arrived at Cedar Springs on Sunday afternoon, April 19th. Returning to the scene of his strange encounter, he, straighted, he headed straight to an area, and he found his missing jacket. There was a pencil in the buttonhole with a piece of paper tightly wrapped around it. He took the paper and burned it, and seemingly came out of his trance. Erwin had trouble finding his way back to the car and turned himself in to Sheriff Fief, who refreshed his memory of his first incident, and Jim and Coral Lorenz, hearing of the strange case, contacted Erwin after he returned to Fort Bliss. He underwent another psychiatric examination with the same results as the first. His case was reviewed by the Inspector General, who ordered more complete examination, and on July 10th, Erwin again entered Beaumont Hospital. After being released, he did not, did not report for duty on August 1st. Um, later, he was found and listed as AOL, and he has never been seen since. He just disappeared. He just disappeared. So I just had to look up yeah. the definition of hysteria. Okay. Because was, it's an old school. It's an old term, right? The first diagno it's like, diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders, yes. DSM-1, of the American Psychiatric Association, published in 1954. 1952 did not list hysteria as a mental health condition, yet it reappeared in the DSM-2 in 1968 before the uh, APA, the American Psychiatric Association, again, right. dropped it again in the DSM-3 in 1980. I think it's what we call today like a panic attack. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's been around for a long time. I think it's what they call people when they don't quite like make manic sense. Like or something's yeah, going like on. Yeah, like they literally are having a panic attack. And nothing makes sense to them, but everything makes sense right. to them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, so, so yeah. So he thought he saw a plane crash. He went to investigate it. It was definitely a UFO. Definitely a UFO. Went to investigate <laughs> it and then woke up 24 hours later right. in a hospital. We got a couple books. Yes. Couple so there's not a lot of, I was trying to find images. Well, obviously. Um, so here's one. It's no return. Correct. UFO abduction or covert operation and i think that's by this lorenzo guy okay and then there's one other one that's also a book same subject um called missing, missing time. time by bud hopkins i think where it gets weird is for me is like when he fainted again mm -hmm. and he woke up and he was like were there any survivors and he didn't know that two weeks had already passed like right. this was already something that he had done you know 14 days ago right um, so asking again if there are any survivors. And then he went out and found his jacket, which is kind of bizarre. 
It was there and nobody else it saw it. It was there it, and nobody or... else saw it, but he came back with it when he went to the sheriff. Right. Um, so Interesting. First you know, one. So it, it's, I mean, it's very short and kind of still leaves a lot of questions, but it's kind of that cool, like, what happened to him in the end? Did he just disappear? get abducted? Well, going out there again and got abducted again, you know? Um, he was only gone for, you know, he was gone for what they think was an hour before they found mm -hmm. him based off the timing of his note and everything. Um, but, you know, they say like, you watch those movies and time travels much faster. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, exactly. So like an it's hour like, like gone a year. For a year, but yeah. it was only an hour. On our hour time. Times. So, um, and, you know, and he was convinced he saw a plane crash every time that he would black out. So I also thought it was funny that they, um, two things. He lost his security clearance. Well, yeah. Which, why? Because he's crazy, perhaps? Is that why? Perhaps. Or because they're like, oh, no, he's or seen. Or he know something? He's, see, he's seen aliens. He's on to us. We got to not get him. Because, I mean, he probably a pretty high. If he's working with missiles. It's interesting. I'm, I'm wearing my Rick and Morty spaceship shirt because we're talking about aliens yeah so that was my first sweet oh, story thing oh yeah cedar springs that's... we've got a personal tie to cedar springs in colorado where we live oh here yes <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> took me a second i was like wait what it's the name yeah, of our neighbor that's the name of our neighborhood that's funny i did not even pick up on that that's hilarious i was like is that but no wonder is? why it sounded familiar when i read it yeah. um all right what's your second story so my second story is um called the uh the 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 they call it the Damon case. It's out of Damon, Texas, on September third of nineteen sixty-five. Okay. Um, so this one is called the Fuvor Classic UFO case, and it's from um, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon website. So NICAP for short. Um, about NICAP. Huh. NICAP. 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 Yeah. Um, about 11 p.m. on Friday night, Deputy Sheriff Bob Good, 50, and his was driving his patrol car south out of Damon towards West Columbia on Highway 36. Since he had suffered a bite on his left index finger earlier that day from a baby alligator, he had asked Chief Deputy Billy McCoy, who was 38, to ride with him in the event pain flared up and interfered with his driving. It was a sparkling, clear, moonlit Texas night, and Goode rested his arm in the open window of the door as they drove through the prairie. Suddenly, McCoy spotted a bright purple light on the horizon to the southwest, which appeared to be about five to six miles distance. At first, they thought it might be something in the nearby oil field, perhaps an oil drilling rig. But then, a blue light, smaller in diameter than the purple light, emitted from it and moved to the right before stopping. Both lights remained in this orientation for a while before beginning to drift upward. This upward floating motion continued until the object reached an elevation of 5 to 10 degrees above the horizon. Good then studied the lights through a pair of binoculars but could not make out any additional features. As, the curious, as their curiosity mounted, the officers began to look for back roads that might take them closer to the light. They stopped again, and this time the light suddenly swooped towards them, covering the intervening distance in one to two seconds, abruptly stopping practically overhead. Their patrol car and the surrounding territory were brightly illuminated in purple light. They could, they could now see that the purple and blue lights were attached to opposite ends of an enormous object, hovering about 150 feet from them about 100 foot altitude. In his later statement to the Air Force, McCoy described what he saw. The bulk of the object was plainly visible at this time and appeared to be triangular shape with bright purple light on the left end and the smaller, less blue light on the right end. Okay. 
The bulk of the object appeared to be dark gray in color with no other distinguishing features. It appeared to be about 200 feet wide and 40 to 50 feet thick in the middle, tapering off towards both ends. There was no noise or any trail. The bright purple light illuminated the ground directly underneath it and in the areas in front of it, including the highway and the interior of our patrol car. The tall grass under the object did not appear to be disturbed. There was a bright moon out and it cast a shadow of the object on the ground immediately below it in the grass. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. Both men, uh, to both men, the object seemed to be as big as a football field. Good could feel strong heat emanating from the object on his left arm through his short sleeve. After a few seconds with the strange object hovering almost directly above them, they fled the scene and headed towards Damon as fast as they could go, making speeds up to 110 miles per hour. McCoy kept watching the object out of the rear view of the car. For 10 to 15 seconds, the UFO continued to hover above the pasture, then abruptly shot back into the direction from which it had come. After arriving at approximately the original position, McCoy reported, it went straight up in the air and disappeared at 20 to 30 degrees above the horizon. Back at Damon, the shaken officers calmed themselves and then decided to go back and investigate again. This time, they drove down the Damon West Columbia Road, but saw nothing. Finally, they returned to the area where they had first seen the lights and once again spied the purple light on the horizon and again saw the smaller blue light emerge with strange two-step motion and float upward. Fearing another close encounter, they fled the area. I mean, they're smart, right? Yeah. Good and McCoy continued on their shift until three or four in the morning, then stopped for breakfast at a cafe. Good noted that his alligator bite was no longer sore, and when he unwrapped the bandage, he discovered that the swelling had gone down and the wound was nearly healed. Next day, the wound showed virtually no scarring. The deputies reported the sighting to Ellington Air Force Base, hmm. and Major Lawrence Leach Jr. arrived on September 8, 1965, to interview McCoy and Good and take statements. Leach's report to Project Blue Blick headquarters at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base reflected his puzzlement. There is no doubt in my mind, he said, that they definitely saw some unusual object or phenomenon. Both officers appear to be intelligent, mature, level-headed person, capable of sound judgment and reasoning. And that's, I mean, that's literally all they put. Like, they no longer investigated it. So there's some additional, like, side notes, yeah. but nothing that impacts Adds the story. It. But it's funny because they interviewed him. And then nothing. It's a, yeah, a two. So I was just gonna say a two hundred foot long. It's not. I mean, a football field for reference is three hundred feet. Right. Right. So, so it's, it's about two, two thirds of a football field. That's big. That's right. Not and that, insignificant. If I'm exactly. connected, it's like this way wide. Lengthwise. Right. Right. And then forty to fifty deep. Like well, no, tall. forty to fifty. They said in the center. Oh, so it. Oh, so, so it, it says it, it said it appeared to be about two hundred feet wide, and forty to fifty feet. 40 to 50 feet thick in the middle, tapering off at both ends. Okay. So, so it's like, a UFO. Yeah. It's a disc. It's well, a UFO. here's the thing. Um, we've well, got it's, some pictures It's still too. triangular, though. It's, it's different than, because we've seen, right, we've seen discs. Mm -hmm. The latest one we've seen, they've seen a lot of triangle ones, like above the Kremlin and the Pentagon. They've seen that super, like, pyramid-shaped one. Um, I do have some pictures. Right. So let's see what you have first. Got so this is actually story. what they this think. This is what was in the yes. article. So the, the purple light is the bigger, wider one on the left. Okay. And the blue light is the smaller Star on the it. right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's an article that was written in the local paper, of course. And then we have, these are the cars. So this, the squad, the squad car in front is the mm. actual car they were driving 
when they found it in this field. Got it. And then we've got... Then we've got um, them. That's the two of them. Those are the two um, Good is on officers. the Yeah, Good is, I think it says Good is on the right, and uh, the young man, um, McCoy, is on the left. They and are. they are drawing. They're doing renditions of what they okay. think or what they feel it looked like to them. All right. And then the last one is just um, them again in their uniforms. Like out in yeah, the that's what they were wearing. Or something yeah. Like that. Very interesting. So, UFOs, and these are old. This is from like the 60s or whatever. Yeah, well, well, this is what kind of how I found them at the same time. So this was 1965, mm -hmm. and the disappearance of what's-his-name was also 1965. So that's how they were linked. And I did find this really cool like page. I'll see if I can find it again. But it has all sorts of like documented UFO sightings from like different things um, where they would also bring the military and investigate. So I was like, oh, I should keep And you brought up Project Blue Book. So why is, is that familiar to me? Because that's was remember the one my mom or my aunt yes had part, okay. took up in New Hampshire yeah. go back like one of the first podcasts we did for the right. Castro Files I talked about her experience right and Project Blue Book is has been around for a long time when yeah. they were investigating UFOs is it still around? No, I think it's too well known. It now, was like now it's out in the public, yeah, so there's no so there, hidden. I'm, there's no there's, hidden. There's another name for yeah. something. It may still be around, but it's not. You know. Yeah, so these were short and sweet, but I hope you guys yeah, enjoyed them. Great. They're kind Appreciate of cool. It. They're fun. Yeah, they, you know, here's the problem with UFO stories. They don't give a whole lot of insight, right? Like you get to the point where here's what happened and then there's not and a lot of follow-up. you just have to either believe yeah. them or don't believe them. Yeah. And it's not like they had cell phones back then. Well, yeah, exactly. Or, or videos on their phones that they could But the thing stuff. is, you always have to take into consideration like these were lawmen. Right. That were well, more than likely well respected. Well, and that's why I think the guy says at all, the end, he's like, they're of sound, sound mind, mind and body. Right. They, basically, you know. They weren't hysterical nope. like the first nope. one. Yeah. Well, who even knows what the first guy was hysterical? They could just have said that for a reason to keep him under observation. Yeah. To see if he was going to turn into that, an alien. That, that 5150, that psycho, uh, psycho psychiatric? Hold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say it. Sometimes words just escape me. It's all good. But, but thank so those you are so my much. stories today. It's I hope awesome. you guys enjoyed them. Appreciate it, you guys. You guys go out, like, subscribe to the podcast. Yes, We'd appreciate Sharing that. Sharing is caring, always. so share us yes, with your so friends and family. There. We'll catch you guys all next time. Cheers. Bye, guys. Yeah.